Hello and welcome to episode 50 of the Atlanta Man Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Rogers. And on today's episode, the Hawks had a very, very busy and very, very important week in their season. Played in two play-in games, winning both of them to enter the NBA playoffs. Even played a playoff game on Sunday, which was less fun than the play-in games, but they are in the dance officially. We'll get into all of that. And also the Braves, their second week of the season, a bit of a disappointing week for them, but um, definitely not a disaster or anything. Still very, very early on in the season. So we'll start off with the Hawks today because they are the main billing of this episode for obvious reasons. They are came into this week fighting for their lives as they were in the play-in tournament as the nine seed, meaning they had to win two must-win games to get into the playoffs. And they did just that starting on Wednesday night against Charlotte at home in the 9 versus 10 game in this play-in tournament. Um, Atlanta came in favorites in this one, obviously, at home, but they were without John Collins still and without Lou Williams against the Hornets team, who I, you know, definitely definitely could be a concerning opponent for the Hawks as they are a very similar team to the fact that they have a potent offense at times and are a team that struggles on defense just like Atlanta, but... Um, that neither neither of those factors came into play really, except for the bad defense, I should say. But Hornets' offense was terrible. They lost this game one thirty two to one hundred three. The Hawks absolutely blitzed them, especially in the third quarter. The Hawks went ballistic, winning the quarter forty two to twenty four. They actually won the entire second half seventy two to thirty one. Um, that is quite the margin, and <laughs> for that one, it's a forty one point differential. In the second half, they absolutely blitzed them. DeAndre Hunter had a huge third quarter with a 16 points on 7 of 8 shooting. And Trey came alive in the third quarter after having a pretty quiet first half with a 14 points. Um, one of the best quarters of, or just some um, periods of time DeAndre Hunter has played in a long time. Um, especially on offense, he played pretty well defensively too, I thought, um, doing his thing on the perimeter. <clears throat> but um, yeah, just a big win being able to really blow out the Hornets and save your legs a little bit as they did not have to play the entire um, fourth quarter in this game, getting to uh, conserve some minutes. Looking at the box score now, like Trey only had to play 33 minutes, Hunter only 30, and um, Gallo, Capella, and Herter all under 30 um, for the game. So definitely got to save their legs a little bit, didn't have to play a ton in this one as the game was in hand early. Or not early, I should say, but early enough to where you could um, start to rest your guys and um, bring in the bench unit so a good win obviously for the Hawks but the job was not done they had to go into Cleveland now who lost the 7a game against Brooklyn um, definitely a uh, favorable the more favorable opponent for the Hawks much rather play the Cavaliers than the Nets with all due respect to Cleveland um, they played a pretty played play the Hawks tough in this game obviously as it was a pretty close game but um, Brooklyn is just a different animal Obviously, with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, you just don't want to want to play those guys in a one-game setting. Cleveland was definitely the more desired opponent, and the Hawks got them, and they played very poorly opening up in this game. Um, the offense was pretty dreadful in the first quarter, in the first half, really. Um, well, not, not the entire first half, but the first quarter especially, the shots were not falling. Trey Young wasn't playing particularly well in the, in the defense, I should say, 
was uh, the main cause of concern in the first quarter. They gave up 36 points. They lost the quarter 36 to 25 in this one. Um, but uh, before I get any deeper, I should mention that Jared Allen was available to play for Cleveland in this game after he missed a little over a month with a finger injury. And he is um, having a very good year for Cleveland, a main reason why they were having such an overachieving season. And since he's been out, Cleveland has been pretty bad. And he was able to play in this game, and there's muscle in for them. He is a difference maker defensively for them as their center. He's uh, made the all-star team this year. He is very, very good at what he does. But he was not 100% in this game, obviously, as he had that finger injury. But I still think that he was uh, definitely a big factor in this game, especially pregame with him being able to play. Um, but, yeah, the Hawks, they got off they got off, like to a slow start. So, like I said, um, trailing 11 after one. And they were pretty fortunate that it was only 11 after how they played. And they ended up trailing by as many as 14 points in the first half, which is uh, the largest episode of the game for them. Um, Laurie Markkinen had a huge first half. He had 17 points on 5 of 8 shooting. They kept on losing him and letting him get some wide-open looks. Um, him, Darius Garland, Kevin Love, Karis LeVert, all those guys got loose at times and made some shots, but they also got loose and didn't make shots at times, which kind of bailed the Hawks out. But... um. The main story offensively for the Hawks in the first half was Bogey, who saved the offense with 14 points off the bench, while Trey and pretty much everyone else struggled in the first half. As you know, looking at the uh, <clears throat> first half stats right here, Trey only had six points at halftime with four turnovers. Gallo had nine. He was the second um, league scorer tied with Herder, who played pretty well with nine points. But Bogey, 14 points off the bench, perfect shooting in the first half. He was very, very good. <clears throat> and, um, the main thing that happened in the second quarter of this game, the main um, story, I should say, was Clint Capella hyperextended his knee um, on a play where he fouled Evan Mobley. Um, kind of a weird play as Capella was on the on Mobley's back, kind of grabbing him by like his shoulder blades, really. And uh, it got reviewed for a flagrant. He didn't get called for it, but he kind of pulled back Mobley um, from his shoulders and... Mobley like kind of landed back on Capella who was falling backwards and his knee just bent the way your knee isn't supposed to bend and he had to immediately be helped off the court um, which was definitely not a good sign for the Hawks for this game and for the rest of the um, potential season if it was going to continue after this game so we'll get more into Capella later as he did not play in game one against Miami but the Hawks were without Capella for the rest of the game uh, but it, it was reported after the game that he did not suffer any significant damage, structural damage to the knee, that it was just a hyperextension. So that is um, a positive long-term, and I guess you could say short-term as there is a chance he can come back and play against Miami, but definitely not what you want, as Capella has just been off, awesome on defense and just awesome in general for the last like three months now, as he's kind of returned to his form of last year where he was one of the better defenders in the entire league, in my opinion. But, yeah, definitely a tough blow for the Hawks. But, fortunately for Atlanta, they have Onyeka Kongwu, who I thought played very, very well in the second half in, uh, repla in replacing Capella. He was super solid defensively. He only took one shot in this game. He made it. Um, so, he only had two points. But, um, I thought Okongwu was awesome in the second half on defense. He was team. He was the second on the team in plus minus. He was plus 21. Only DeLon Wright had a higher one with plus 24. As those two guys were... Um, very, very good defensively in this game, and I thought we're behind Trey Young, who we're about to get into a second, were probably the two other most important players of this game, along with maybe Bogdanovich, who was very, very good. But we'll move on to the second half of this game now. Um, Hawks trailed 61-51 to at halftime, 
And then it's where the fun begins. The second half of this game was an absolutely incredible performance from Trey Young. Just going to say a stat line real quick before we get into actually what happened. Um, he had 32 points in the second half, 5 assists, 10 of 14 from the field, 4 of 7 from 3, and had 0 turnovers. He played pretty much perfect basketball, um, especially in the fourth quarter, late third. He really, really got things going. The 3 was just not not missing really and he was pulling up from very very long range too he was just absolutely cooking the Cavaliers cooking cooking Laurie Markkinen Karis LeVert Darius Garland you name it all those guys didn't really stand a chance against Trey he was getting getting to the paint when he wanted to and putting up that floater shot that we know is just so so deadly when it's right and it was going down this game along with the three ball he had five assists too which uh, kind of was like an underplayed part of his second half he'd be putting up five assists which was solid he was moving the ball around and he was pretty much all the Hawks needed in the second half he outscored or pretty much outscored Cleveland in the second half this Cleveland only scored 40 points and Trey had 32 so he was pretty much right there with the Cavs as an entire team in the second half offensively he was just mind-boggling good in this one but yeah zero turnovers in the second half like I said and <clears throat> just kind of saved the Hawks in a big moment when they were down 10. They let they trailed by as many as 14. They needed their superstar to come through, and he did. And it was very encouraging to see after he kind of struggled in the first half of this game. Um, but like I said, Okongwu played very well, replacing Capella in the second half. DeLon Wright was awesome defensively on the perimeter, and he did all the little things like he always does, just regular stuff by DeLon Wright. And um, Trey, like I said, the shots he was hitting were ridiculous. He even he made one shot on one foot that didn't count. It was after a whistle was blown, but pretty much from the logo, just one footed, threw up a three and just splashed it. It hit like he was just he was hot. And when you're hot, you're hot. Shots will fall. And Trey was as hot as he maybe has ever been in the second half of this game. He was absolutely incredible. Um, Mike Breen was just letting out the loudest bangs possible for Trey. Um, but yeah, it was a uh, a fun second half to be sure and that propelled the Hawks to a 107 to 101 victory they outscored Cleveland uh, 56 to 40 in the second half to win this game by six they were absolutely fantastic Trey great Gallo was not very good in the second half but he still hit still a plus 18 plus minus as he played along with Trey that's why that happened um, Bogey was still pretty good in the second half he made a pretty big three down the stretch Kevin Herter had a big steal after um, a Hawks turnover as he Pulled up behind Laurie Markkinen and um, swiped a pass away from him. That actually kind of clinched the game for the Hawks. That was pretty much the dagger. So a big play from Kevin there. Um, as he had a pretty good game in this one as well. I thought he played very, very solidly. 13 points, 6 of 11 shooting. Um, DeAndre Hunter was not very good in this game. Um, 10 points, 5 of 14 shooting with 0 of 5 from 3. I thought he had some pretty good looks from 3 too. So him missing those is um, not very encouraging. Uh, but didn't bite them, obviously, as they were able to win this game. But... Still, main story besides Trey Young being incredible was Capella's absence and how that was going to affect the rest of the postseason for the Hawks as they got to move on and they will face the Miami Heat in the first round. They have played one game, and um, we'll go into it right now. It it was not a good result for Atlanta. I think it is worth mentioning that the Heat had not played since last Sunday. And the Hawks were coming on a pretty quick turnaround. They had Saturday off, but they had played Friday night, obviously. And then this was a 1 o'clock tip-off in Miami. So you had to travel, 
get to Miami, go from Cleveland to Miami, play at 1 o'clock on Sunday against a team that is very, very fresh and hasn't played in six, seven days. And they are the Miami Heat. They are the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, which is worth mentioning, but <clears throat> is still a tough turnaround for the Hawks. I don't think that was the only reason they lost this game, but definitely I think is somewhat important to note in this one. The Hawks got um, absolutely blasted in this game, 115-91. to 91. And it was kind of even worse than the score indicated because the Hawks ended up winning the fourth quarter by two points. But the offense early, pretty much for, through the first three quarters, their only good offensive quarter was the fourth, and that was um, a lot of garbage time in that quarter. So definitely not what you want. They only scored 17 points in the first quarter of this game. Um, it was their worst shooting game of the season in the first half. But there was a positive coming into this game as John Collins returned after missing over a month with his finger and foot injury. He had the plantar fascia tear in his foot and he had this just weird finger situation where his finger had like wasn't healing properly. He was wearing a splint on between his middle finger and his hurt ring finger, I believe. So Collins was back in this game. Um, he was obviously on a minutes restriction, but the Hawks actually blew by it, which was kind of questionable considering that they were just getting housed in this game by the Heat. Um, but, yeah, like I said, the Hawks got slammed in this one. One of the worst offensive games of the season. Um, you know, taking out garbage time, the numbers are probably worse. But, I mean, the 31 points in the fourth quarter makes this look a lot more pretty than it really is. First quarter, they scored 17 points. Second quarter, they scored 23. In the third, they scored 20. They were absolutely terrible. They were actually not even out of the game in the first quarter because they only trailed by six because Miami was not playing particularly well on offense in the first as it was only 23-17 to 17 after one, which is not something you see every day in the NBA, that much of a low-scoring quarter. But then the Heat were able to turn on the offense in the second quarter. They scored 36 points, and my dog is barking per usual at anything that makes any movement outside. But, yeah, like I said, Second second quarter, they really found their offensive groove. <clears throat> Duncan Robinson, who was having a game of his life pretty much in this one, he went three or four from three in the second quarter. And don't want to say the game was completely over after that, but the Hawks only scored 40 points in the first half, which is absolutely abysmal. And uh, they trailed 59 to 40 at halftime. Definitely the game was not over, but... The offense just never found it. Only 20 points in the third, like I said. And then they went into the fourth quarter down by 26 points. And it was just never really a game in the fourth quarter, to be honest with you. Um, I just want to have one final uh, parting stat from this game. Uh, as we're going to move on to the Braves after this. But Trey and Bogey were both absolutely terrible in this game. And they combined to go 1 of 20 from the field. That's right, one for 20 from Trey Young and Bogdan Bogdanovich, who are the team's two best offensive players. They've been that all year. Trey went one of 12, and Bogey went 0 of 8. This is Bogey's first game all year where he missed every shot. He did get six points as he got to the line six times and made all six of them. Trey had one bucket. He went 0 of 7 from 3. He got to the line seven times and made six of them. So, yeah, uh, the only guy on the entire team that I say was a – Probably two, I'd say, or Gallinari and Hunter were positives offensively. Um, Gallinari had 17 points, which led the team, which is not good when your leading scorer only has 17 points. And DeAndre Hunter, he had 14 points, but he was pretty efficient. He went 6 of 8 from the field and made both of his threes. Um, he was him and Kevin Knox. Him, Kevin Knox, and Herter were the only guys to make two threes. And Kevin Knox is all took place in garbage time, obviously. Um, but, yeah. 
just a pretty terrible start to the series against Miami, a uh, very good team, a very good team defensively. Um, but this, I don't think the series is over by any means. I think the the Hawks just need to get, you know, the 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 saying for these seven game series when you're the big underdogs like the Hawks are, are uh, get one of the first two on the road, and they can still definitely do that. They play on Tuesday in Miami. They'll be more way more fresh, I believe, and I think definitely have a somewhat a bounce back performance. I don't know if they'll win, but there's no way they're going to play as bad as they did on Sunday. And uh, one of the worst offensive games of the season for a team that's really good on offense. And when Trey and Bogey combined to go one of 20 from the field, they're probably never going to win, especially against any team in the playoffs, um, especially the number one seed in the East. So that's all I got for that. Move on to the Braves now, who had a pretty interesting week, to say the least. Um, few blowouts, a um, couple of them at the hands of the other team as the Braves got blitzed by the Nationals and the Padres um, a p- once apiece this week, and they also blew out the Nationals once. Uh, they lost 11-2 to on Monday. I was actually at this game. It was a very miserable baseball game to go to. Uh, they lost 11-2. to Huascar Noah looked pretty terrible. Uh, then they won on Tuesday night 16-4 to in Bryce Elder's MLB debut where he pitched very well, I thought. He gave up a couple of homers, things that kind of hairy for him late, but I do think he pitched very well considering it was his debut. Juan Soto took him deep, which um, I'm not really going to fault him for that. He did go two homers, like I said, but five and two-thirds innings pitched, three earned runs, four punchies. Solid, solid debut for Bryce Elder. He got the win. That's always good. So I thought he was pretty good in that game. Um, Marcelo Zuna had two homers in this game. Ozzy had a homer off of a position player pitching. It was D. Gordon actually pitching. Uh, Travis Darnot had a pretty funny moment where D. Gordon actually hit him with a 55 mile an hour pitch, and he collapsed in the batter's box like he got sniped. Definitely a funny, cute moment there from Travis. I appreciated that quite a bit. Um, but yeah, that's uh, pretty much all I got from this national series. They lost two out of three, which is not what you want against the Nationals. They are on paper the worst team in the division. And you don't want to lose two out of three at home to them. But it's still early in the year. It's whatevs. Uh, move on to San Diego, who is without Ferdinand Tatis, which is definitely worth mentioning when it comes to them, um, their best player. But uh, they lost game one, 12-1. Charlie Morton looked pretty bad in this game. I think he got a little bit unlucky, but I, I definitely don't think he was very good either, to say the least. I'm looking at his line now. Five innings pitched, five earned runs, five strikeouts, fives across the board for the salt man. Definitely a bad start. Gave up a homer, but also just gave up some bloop singles. Had three walks. Just not a great performance from him. The game was kind of over after he left, to be honest with you, because the Braves got absolutely nothing going on offense. Only run they scored was a solo shot from Ozzy in the ninth inning. Ozzy actually had four homers this week. He had had a homer in each of the first three games against San Diego, which was pretty impressive. Um, A couple of uh, leadoff shot, too, for him in game three. But yeah, him and Ozuna both had four homers this week. Ozuna had two against in one game against the Nationals, and he had uh, two in the San Diego series. So Ozuna's hitting the ball well. I also want to mention uh, Matt Olson. Just want to read his uh, slash line for the year right now. He is batting 421, getting on base at a 551 clip, and has a 684 slugging. That is good for a one dot two three five OPS. Matt Olson has been awesome. He's getting on base. He's walking. He's hitting the ball. He's got a couple of ding-dongs to his name now. Went oppo against the Padres, <clears throat> which you love to see. But, um, yeah, Max Fried also, I'm going to mention him. 
he had a pretty bad start too against the Padres or against the um, Nationals, I should say. Not a bad start, but not a good Max Fried all caps start. The Braves lost this game 3-1. to one. He gave up two runs in the first inning, which is um, unfortunate for Max. Um, but still, gave, gave up three runs. Only two were earned. 5.1 innings pitched, two earned runs, four strikeouts. Gave up seven hits. Didn't walk anybody, but Max, I think he's just kind of a slow starter. He got to a slow start last year. And um, <clears throat> so it probably just takes him a little, a little bit of time to get his feet wet in this one. But um, yeah, he, I'm not, I'm not too worried. I'll say that. So yeah. Um, any other things about the Braves I should mention? Oh yeah, the Ron Acuna news has. There's a, been a big update on Ron Acuna. He is starting his rehab assignment this week with the Gwinnett Stripers. Um, they're on the road right now in Florida, so he will start there. And then I believe he will have another week of rehab in Gwinnett and then um, should be ready. I think the target date for the Braves and Acuna is May 6th, which is when they get back home to play the Brewers in a weekend series. So I think that should be their target date. That makes sense in my mind, at least. So Acuna should be back pretty soon here, which is going to be very, very exciting and uh, a big difference maker, difference maker um, offensively, obviously, and defensively. The Braves' outfield defense has been very bad to start the year I'm not trying to I'm not going to like pile on the Braves right now because it is very early in the year and um this team has definitely earned the benefit of the doubt with slow starts as they've had slow starts in like each of the first three full seasons um so I'm not going to like pile on them but Ozuna and Eddie Rosario have been pretty brutal in the corners um, Eddie Rosario has been absolutely terrible at the plate also. I'm going to actually, I'm going to pick on Eddie Rosario a little bit just to get him going because the Braves do play the Dodgers tonight and he has a very um, extensive history, recent history against the Dodgers, but I'm about to read you Eddie's offensive numbers for the year and just going to put you on blast real quick, Eddie, just to get some more out of you here. So he played in nine games. He has 33 plate, 33 plate appearances, 29 at-bats. He's got one hit. He's one for 29 on the year with four walks. He's slashing 0, 3, 4, 152, 0, 3, 4. That's good for a 186 OPS and a negative 45 OPS+. plus. He has one total base this year. One hit, it was a single. That is about as bad of a season you can... Um, start bad as bad as you can start the season considering he's been pretty bad in the outfield he straight up dropped a fly ball um on friday night or was it thursday thursday or friday night game one the blowout game so that was thursday he should have just dropped the fly ball um and then the very next batter hit a home run on Manny machado so and that would have been the third out and so yeah he's i just wanted to, i just wanted to pick on eddie a little bit just to get him going but he does return to dodger stadium tonight and that's um he he's got some success there, some 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 success there. I can't talk right now, I'm talking about Eddie, but um he's got some success there and just trying to get him going, you know, get a little pep in your step, Eddie. Uh, but yeah, like I said, the Braves do play the Dodgers tonight, um in L.A. So it'll be Freddie Freeman's first game against the Atlanta Braves. Uh, Kenley Jansen might be in the game tonight, might not, but you got three games in L.A. Pretty big series though. I'm, I'm starting to get a little nervous for it, but I'm also pretty excited for this one. Um, but yeah, that's all. That's that's about all I got on the Braves. Had to bring up Eddie real quick and his struggles. But um, yeah, that's all I got. Excited for this series against the Dodgers. Hopefully they can uh, show out in this one. 
Um, but yeah, that's going to be it for this episode. Um, before I depart, though, I have one thing to plug. I'm starting um, going to start being active on our Twitter page, which is uh, the at is the ATL man. So if you would like to go give it a follow, I'll start uh, live tweeting during Braves, Hawks games or just general thoughts um, on the teams um, will be coming from that account. So if you want to give it a follow and uh, kind of keep up with what I got to say during games, um, all that kind of stuff, you can do that at the ATL man on Twitter if you did that. I would consider it a personal favor. So thank you for listening. If you made it this far, I will not have an episode next week because I will be on vacation. So I will see you two weeks from now. Um, Like I said, if you made it this far listening, I really, really appreciate it. And I will see you in the next one.